um, title to the mess to the Sunday school lesson this morning is, of course, nothing anyone can do to me can harm me. Only my reaction will harm me. And obviously, there are physical things that people can do to harm you. Um, but I'm talking about things that people say, that uh, people's reactions, people's attitudes, um, different circumstances. Could be unsaved people say things. Could be fellow believers say or do things. Could even be family members that say or do things that are very hurtful. And um, so we uh, want to talk a little bit about that and see how Job dealt with all of this. So Job chapter number 3, we're going to read just these two verses and then we'll have a word of prayer. Job chapter 3, verses 24 through 26, so three, three verses. Um, Job said this, he said, For my sighing cometh before I eat, and my roarings are poured out like the waters. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you'd bless our Bible study this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts through your word and by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So, just a little, just to recoup a little bit with regards to Job and uh, who he is, and I know most of you know this, but just uh, putting us in remembrance of these things. So Job was probably the most well-known man of his time. He was extremely wealthy. He was uh, a man who had a large family. He had seven sons and he had three daughters. The Bible says he had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man, the Bible says in chapter number 1 and verse number 3, was the greatest of all the men of the East. And he was a godly man. He's a man who loved the Lord. And the Bible tells us that one, at, at one day Satan uh, came before the Lord, and uh, Satan says, doth Job fear God for naught? Well, he says, no wonder, no wonder Job fears God. He's, you've blessed him greatly. I mean, look, he's got this huge family. He's got all this. He's got these households. He has all of these animals. He's wealthy. He's, he has a great life. No wonder he serves you. And um, God says, okay. He says, well, you can put forth your hand and um, you can touch him. And uh, actually, he says, first, first, first you can go and you could touch his family and all that he hath. And so the Bible tells us that there was a day when his, his um, sons and his daughters were all together and uh, they were celebrating. And um, the Bible tells us that um, the Sabaeans fell upon them. They took away everything that uh, Job had. They took all of his cattle and all of his sheep and... Um, in verse number uh, 14, it says, There came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the asses feeding beside them. The Sabaeans fell upon them, took them away. They've slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped. And while he was yet speaking, another one came. The fire of God has fallen from heaven. He's burned up the sheep. The servants consumed them. And then another one was speaking. He says, The Chaldeans made out three bands, fell upon the camels. They've taken them all away. 
And then uh, he says, your sons and your daughters, they were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. They're all dead. Wow, that's quite a day, huh? They lost, he lost everything in one day. Do you guys get a Sunday school thing coming in? Everything in one day. And um, Job's reaction was, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Um, so Satan returns, and he says, well, okay, but you touch Job physically. You touch him personally, and he'll curse you. And so God says, okay, if that's what you want to do, then go ahead. And so the Bible tells us that uh, God allowed Satan to afflict Job with boils all over his body. Uh, but God specifically said, you're not to kill him. And so that's what happened. He had boils from the head down to his toes. He would scrape them with broken potter. He was just a mess. And that's when these three verses that I just read in Job chapter 3, I'll read them again now, having, now you know the context of all of this. So here's Job, he's, he's really a man who's served God faithfully and had done what he could for him. And then he says this again, chapter 3, verse 24. My sighing cometh before I eat, and my roarings are poured out like the waters. The thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come upon me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. This is actually the second text I ever preached a message out of. I preached a message out of this text on a Sunday night uh, before I was called into full-time ministry. And it was a three-point message where Paul, or Job said, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet. In other words... I took those three points and uh, expanded them into the idea that Job was fully engaged and involved in serving God. And all of this happened to him. All right, so with that idea, you know, and again, I said circumstances, unsaved people, fellow believers, Gossip, slander, sometimes just misunderstandings, things people say and do can hurt us. And there are times, you can't sometimes really do much with the hurt, but it's how you react to it. Uh, often over time, um, you know, just to be open and transparent, having been pastoring here for almost 40 years uh, and serving in the church for over 40 years, um, you make uh, connections with people and you pray for people and you try to minister and serve people and then people sometimes just leave. Sometimes they don't leave. They leave without any explanation. And I have to be honest, it's, it hurts. I mean, it really hurts. It feels like a hole inside. Um, so uh, that happens. Um, and it's how you react to it that is, um, uh, and it might not, be something else for you. Maybe you've had a family member that has said and done something to you that's been very, very hurtful. Um, and so if you came in a little late, the title to this, nothing anyone can do to me can harm me, only my reaction will harm me. 
Well, obviously there are physical things people can do to harm you and that will hurt you. We're talking about these other things, emotional words, situations. So we looked at Job here and what Job was dealing with. So here are three, three points I want to make to you this morning in this lesson. And um, the first is the reality. And the reality is sooner or later people, someone will say and do things to hurt you, right? I mean, that's just the way that it is. Um, and that's unfortunate. And it happens to all of us. And we're probably guilty of doing it to someone else. I'm sure, and I know, there's been things I've said or done that's been hurtful to someone else, and hopefully when those things happen, I uh, come to realize that, and we can apologize for those things. But we're looking at the other end of it. People will say and do things that hurt you, and they did these things to Job. So if you know the book of Job at all, you know that there are three particular friends of Job that come and deal with Job uh, with regards to what's happening in his life. And so let's look here. Let's look at how they dealt with their friend Job. So the Bible tells us that um, uh, in chapter 4, if you would, and look at verse 1. The first fellow here, his name is Eliphaz, the Temanite. And um, they had come, and they had sat down with Job for seven days, and nobody said anything for seven days. But now, after Job has spoken... Um, he is going to respond to Job. And um, the things that he said to him, and, and it's really interesting because we, we don't have enough time to cover everything in the book of Job, but I would encourage you after, this, after today to read through the book of Job this week. Because what's interesting about his friends is they say some things that are true. You know, they don't, not everything that they say is, with regards to God is false. They make some true statements, but in the context of it all, you could see how Job would be very confused or maybe even hurt by what they, what they said. So look at chapter, chapter 4 and look at verses 7 and 8 in this conversation. So Eliaphaz, he says this. Well, let's back up. Let's go back to verse 2. If we essay to communicate with thee, will thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? In other words, he said, listen, we... You've told us how you feel. Now we're going to tell you uh, how we feel. You've instructed many, verse 3. Behold, thou hast instructed many. Thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have holden him up that was falling. Thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. Well, these are good things. These are things they observed that Job had done. He was very busy with helping others. Then he says, Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and uprightness of thy ways? Then he says this, verse 7. Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent, or who were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. So in other words, you know what he's saying to them? Well, wait a minute. You've helped people. You've taught people. But when we look at all of this, there must be a legitimate reason. There must be something in your life that God is punishing you for. And... Uh, that's really the last thing Job needed to hear um, at this particular moment in time. Because um, we're going to find out that God wasn't punishing Job for anything. A large part of the book of Job is to teach us that even people who are serving the Lord suffer. Because we live in a fallen world. 
And just because you've accepted Jesus as your Savior doesn't mean that there aren't going to be trials and tribulations and suffering in your life. And so this Eliaphaz guy, this is, this is his statement. And in fact, in verse 9, he says, By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils they're consumed. You've done something wrong. That's why this is happening to you. It reminds me of a woman in our church years ago who's with the Lord now, who she, was, uh, she didn't come to know the Lord until much later in life. In fact, the last two years of her life. And she was brought here by her sisters who lived out of the area. And at that time, she had brain cancer and lung cancer. And um, she would accept Christ as her Savior, become a member of our church. We prayed for healing. It was not God's will for her to be healed. But I remember asking her one day, do you think you would ever have become a Christian if you never got cancer? She said, I would never have become a Christian unless God gave me cancer. She said, I had no interest in spiritual things until I got sick. And then the reality of life and how long you're going to live sinks in. But, but her brother told her she had been raised in Catholicism. And her brother told her that the reason she had cancer was because she left Catholicism and God was punishing her for this. Well, it had nothing to do with that. In fact, quite frankly, God would have rewarded her for <laughs> leaving Catholicism. So that's the reality. And so his friend comes here and they're not, he's not very helpful. Now he's got another friend. Let's go to chapter 8 in verses 1 through 6. So I don't, again, I don't have time. We'll look at a few of these things in a minute in Job's reaction, but Job, the next several chapters up to chapter 8 is Job's reaction to his friend. But in chapter number 8, the next guy comes along, and that's Bildad, the Shuhite. And he says this, verse 2, How long will you speak these things? How long shall the words of thy mouth be a strong wind? Doth God pervert judgment, or doth the Almighty pervert justice? If thy children have sinned against him, and he hath cast them away for their transgressions, if thou wouldest seek unto God betimes, and make thy supplication to the Almighty, if thou were pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee. If, you're, if you were, there wasn't something wrong here, Job. God would awake for thee. God would answer your prayer, and God would spare you from this. There's something going on in your life here. And so... And he said, and make thy habitation of thy righteousness prosper. It's just the wrong thing to say. They don't know what's going on. They don't know that what God is doing behind the scenes. And neither do you and I at times know what God's doing behind the scenes. But there are times that, God, that people say things, and, um, and, and, and that's what's happening here. And, you know, we'll read the next friend in just a minute. You know what, what these fellows had? And this was very common back in, 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 in Jewish history. If, if your family was blessed and you had great wealth and um, people would say, well, they must be right with God. But that's not always necessarily the case. Uh, David would say, and I think it's Psalm 77, I was envious at the foolish, when, and I'm just paraphrasing, when I saw their, their wealth and the ungodly. David would recognize there's a lot of ungodly, wicked people that have a lot. And then he said, but when I entered into the sanctuary, then I began to understand. And if you read through the rest of that psalm, David would go on to say uh, that these people, what they have, this is, this is the best that it's ever going to be for them. Because one day they have to stand before God and give an account for their lives. 
And so it's kind of these three guys that we're reading about, it's kind of like they're, they're, they were believers in prosperity theology, which is that God wants everyone to be blessed. And if you're right with God, you'll be blessed and you'll have money and houses and clothes. And, and we see that even today, there's people who preach that prosperity theology message. Uh, who's the guy uh, who's big in that, the guy down in Texas? Uh, Olstein. He's a big prosperity guy. All right, now go to chapter number 13, um, or, or verses, look at verses 13 and 14 in chapter 8. Look what it says here. So are the paths, this is Bildad again, so are the paths of all that forget God, and the hypocrite's hope shall perish, but hope shall be cut off, and whose trust shall be a spider's web. Some more real encouraging words from, from Bildad here. And then the next friend comes along. Oh, well, well, and again, if for, for, I can't go over this, but if you were to read in chapter 9 and chapter 10, Job, he gives his, his response. And, uh, but then we go to chapter 11 and we see Zophar, the other buddy. And Zophar, in chapter number 11, in verses 1 through 6, he, he is, here's his comforting words. Should not the multitude of words be answered? He's talking about Job. You know, shouldn't somebody speak against what you're saying here? And should a man full of talk be justified? Basically, he's saying, Job, you're full of a lot of hot air here. Should thy lies make men hold their peace? You're a liar, Job. And when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? You're mocking the things of God. Now, here's a guy. He's lost his family. He's lost his wealth. His body is covered with boils. And his wife, by the way, isn't a big help here either. For thou hast said, My doctrine's pure, and I'm clean in thine eyes. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against thee, and that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thy iniquity deserveth. Says, you, des you deserve worse. You know, how, how much worse could it get for Job? You deserve worse here. Whew. And uh, so. Here's what Job has to deal with, and that's just the reality. There's just some, and you, we could have looked at some other things that they had said as well. But look on your handout before, quickly before we move to the next point. Hebrews chapter 12. Here's some instruction that, that we're given in the Bible. The Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled of God. In other words, be careful that bitterness, you know, Job, you would think if anyone had a right to be bitter at these guys and what they're saying, Job did. And, that, and you, know, how, you know, why are they saying these things to me? And how come they're treating me this way? What have I done to hurt them? And if time allowed, there's other examples in the Bible of others who were mistreated, Probably in, in the Old Testament, we think of Joseph and, and how he was mistreated and, and things that were done and said to him and, and how he dealt with it. Um, that, that was a reality. Moses was mistreated by his people, uh, constantly having to deal with, with all of that. Uh, others that, uh, many, many that we could name. Uh, but let's always remember that in the Bible, who was the most, you tell me, who was the most mistreated person in all of the Bible? Uh, Jesus. 
he was the most mistreated person in all the Bible, both physically and uh, verbally. Um, so be mindful of that reality. So what's Job's reaction? and How do we react when we're dealing with all of this? So now go back to Job chapter 12. And uh, let's just see some things that Job said here as he dealt with how he was being mistreated. So Job 12, verses 1 through 10. Job answered and he said, now, now in this instance he's, he's answering Zophar. And um, Zophar was the one that said um, that, that, he was a, that Job was a liar and uh, that he was mocking God. And Job says, no doubt, verse 2, but ye are the people and wisdom shall die with you. But I have understanding as well as you. Okay? I'm not inferior to you. Yea, who knoweth not such things as these? I am as one mocked of his neighbor who calleth upon God, and he answereth him. And just upright men is laughed to scorn. The just upright man is laughed to scorn. He that is ready to slip with his feet is a lamp despised in the thought of him that is at ease. Verse 6, he says, listen, the tabernacles of robbers prosper. You know, thieves prosper. Does that mean thieves are being blessed of God? And they that provoke God are secure. Into whose hands God bringeth abundantly. So he reminds them of this, this here. And uh, he goes on and he says, But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not? And all these things the hand of, of the Lord hath wrought this. In whose hand is the soul of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind? How do, he's saying, how do, we don't know what God's purpose and plan is for all of this, but God's got a purpose and a plan, and God is sovereign in our lives. Sufferers throughout the Bible, we see it. Righteous men and women who suffered for the cause of Christ, who suffered in the Old Testament. And Job reminds his friends of this. Chapter 13, he says this, verses 1 through 5. Lo, he says, mine eyes have seen all this. Mine eyes have heard and understood it. What ye know, the same do I know also. Second time, he says, I'm not inferior. I'm not inferior unto you. Surely I would speak to the Almighty, and I desire to reason with God. But you are forgers of lies. You are all physicians of no value. Oh, that ye would altogether hold your peace, and it should be your wisdom. He says, really, the things, fellas, that you're saying, it's just not true. And, um, and Job has realized that just because they've said this doesn't make it true. And he's not inferior to them. I think about the only thing I've ever heard, uh, not to get political this morning, but the only thing I've ever heard Joe Biden say that I agree with, the one thing, is uh, that his mother, and, and maybe, maybe he made it up, maybe, maybe his mother didn't say it. His mother told him when he was, he was being raised that, Joe, uh, nobody's better than you, and, uh, but don't ever forget that you're not better than anybody else. And uh, that's true about all of us. There's nobody better than you. But on the other hand, you're not better than anybody else, right? right? We're just traveling along in this world. I'm not sure that that's being practiced by the person who said it, but uh, it's the truth. And, and Job says, I'm not inferior to you. And just because you're saying these things doesn't make them true. 
And just because people say things and hurt you doesn't make them true. And then skip over to chapter 14. Look what Job says here, his reaction. So he says, listen, man that is born of a woman, and that would be all of us, amen? We're all born of women, right? Unless you're, you know, I won't say what I was about to say. Man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. We're awful. Trouble comes, right? He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such an one and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. So we're, we live in a world that's a fallen world, and uh, you're going to have trouble. Your car's going to break down. Uh, your car broke down this past week, you sinner. It must be because God is judging you, and your car's not running there, James. That's got to be the reason. And does he shaking his head? Yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> no, cars break down. The church van broke down. Well, we must be doing something wrong here. You know, that's, well, prosperity theology would tell you, you know, that, that your car, if you're really right with God, that uh, your car that's got 300,000 miles on it, it'll just keep running. <clears throat> Correct. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust. Or in Luke, I was thinking of this early this morning and I was reviewing my notes. In Luke chapter 13, it talks about the Tower of Siloam. And the tower falls on, I think it was 19 men. And uh, Jesus says, these were not any more unrighteous than you are. The tower fell. Um, we're, we're watching this morning and last night, I was watching a little bit of the news and what's going on in Israel. People are being killed. And um, we live in a fallen world. We see, the, we see the tragedy of all of this. Uh, we see it in our own streets right here in the United States. We see people um, get killed. And um, we live in a fallen world. And people are going to say things to you and, and do things to you that are going to hurt you. Um, that's part of the world we live in. That's the reality. And so it's what our, our reaction. Our reaction here is... is with regards to Job is, Job knows who he is, and he knows how he's supposed to deal with this. In fact, Jesus would say, if you look on your handout, he said, listen, he says, Be, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Well, that's not easy to do when somebody's hurt you, is it? I mean, it's hard to do that. Uh, and yet, when we do that, it prevents the bitterness from dwelling up inside of us. Because the, what was that old saying that uh, bitterness is like, I think it was like a pint of poison can ruin a lake of truth. And just a little bit of bitterness in us, there's what, what the writers of Hebrew called the root, we looked at that verse in the first point, the root of bitterness it springs up in us. It troubles us. Bitterness will grow like weeds in your garden. 
and, and like a vine, it'll take hold of you and begin to strangle you. That's the reality. So how do we react to it? We need to, we learn here in, in this instance from Job. Job just reasoned. He reasoned in his own heart and mind with regards to what was being dealt with here with his friends. And um, we're to be mindful of that. But then lastly, we're to always be mindful of the reward as we serve him. We are, we are God's, if you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you've accepted Christ as his Savior, as your Savior, we are God's encircled people. Job knew he had a relationship with the one true living God. And as Job goes through all of this, he didn't understand why he is going through this. And God may allow something in your life and you may not, until you meet Jesus face to face, understand why Jesus allowed this to happen in your life. It might be till then. Um, but look at Job chapter 16. Look at Job, how Job deals with this as one of God's people. Job chapter 16 and verses 19 and 20. Job says to his friends, also now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and my record is on high. I, love, I, I had forgot about this verse. Uh, I had memorized this verse many, many years ago, um, and I had forgotten it. My witness is in heaven, and my record is on high. In other words, Job is saying, listen, there's, there's just one person that I have to be, uh, the most important person that I have to be accountable to, is the Lord, is him. And if I'm right with him, and I'm dealing with him, my, you know, my witness is in heaven, my record is on high, that, that's, that's what I've got to be concerned about. So the reality is somebody may hurt you, uh, but the reaction is, is it going to be one that's pleasing in heaven? Is it one that's going to be pleasing to the Lord? And um, how you deal with it. And then, he goes on here and he says in the next verse, My friends scorn me, but mine eye poureth out tears unto God. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. And when a few years are come, I shall go the way whence I shall not return. In other words, he, just, he knew he had a relationship with God and he's counting on that relationship with God to get him through what God was putting him through. So again, there's Job. He's lost 10 children in one day. They were all killed. He's lost all of, basically all of his possessions in one day. Uh, in another day, he's lost his health. He's lost his, we didn't even talk about this, he's lost his reputation. Because everybody in the community, I'm sure, is saying the same thing that these three friends are saying. He must have done something really bad for, for God to do this to him. He's lost his reputation. And uh, it's just him and him alone with God. And, and again, I mentioned even his wife seems to, um, she said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? So he's got no support, none whatsoever. And he's all alone except he's got God. And um, that's all he has. So, but he knows as long as his record in heaven is right, he's right. And uh, he says in verse 9, chapter, go to chapter 19 and verse 25. 
He says, and, how, and here's how we know his relationship. I know that my Redeemer liveth. It's one of the great verses, isn't it, in the Bible? And that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. So in other words, we, we look back 2,000 years ago to when Jesus walked upon the earth and went to the cross and died and paid for our sin. Job, on the other hand, we think Job may be the oldest book in the Bible, we're not sure. Job is looking forward in time. He's looking forward to a day that the Messiah is going to come. And so while our generation, our time looks back, this generation, they looked forward. He says, but I know that my Redeemer liveth. And, um, and, and, and he says here, um, verse 26, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. And I don't, he basically said, I don't know what the rest of my life is going to be like. But I know one day, I know I, know I have a Redeemer, a God in heaven, who's alive and cares for me and uh, is watching over me. And I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. And uh, even though my body now is just falling apart, uh, one day I'm going to see God. Verse 27, whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold and not another. Though my reins be consumed within me. Wow. These are the things that he's clinging to. He's holding on to. The truths of God's word. Chapter 23 and look at verse 10. He says this in chapter 23 and verse 10. He says, and another answer. He says here, but he knoweth the way that I take, meaning God. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Yeah, Job says, I'm going through a trial right now, but I'm going to come out the other side of this and I'm going to stay and maintain my relationship with him. Did Job have questions? Sure he did. Who wouldn't? My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. In fact, it was more important that I knew God's word than it was that I ate. And so Job is reminded of these things here. And um, then he says in chapter 24, or chapter uh, 26, look what it says, verses 2 and through 4. How hast thou helped him that is without power? He says an answer to, to Bildad. How have you helped them that is without power? How savest thou the arm that hath no strength? How hast thou counseled him that hath no wisdom? And how hast thou plentifully declared the thing as it is? To whom hast thou uttered words? And whose spirit came from thee? He's saying, you're quick to accuse me of wrongdoing. But how have you helped other people? What have you done for others? You're just, you know, you're one of those who just points a finger. And everything, you know, like... This is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. Like, you think everybody's wrong but you. And um, this is just not right. And so he knows that God has encircled him. He knows he's got a relationship with God. He doesn't understand, perhaps, what's happening to him and why it's happening to him. But he just, he just holds on to the fact that God's in control of all things and that God will see him through to the very end. And so let's just finish up by going to chapter 42 of the book of Job, because we're out of time, and go to verse chapter 7. 
So we find the end of the story here. I, like I said, I'd encourage you this week, having looked at this, just to read through the book of Job with all these things in mind and this dialogue between Job and his friends here. Job chapter 42 and verse 7. So how did it all end for Job? Well, in the end, um, I, should, I should begin, well, let's, start, let's just start in verse 1 and read the last chapter. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Now let me just stop here real quick. Job, before all of this happened, was a man that we would say was right with God, was close with God, loved God, served God, served others. He was a, we would call him a very mature uh, Christian man. But at the end of this, he's become even, he has even a deeper relationship with the Lord. These were things, he said, as I went through this first three, that's what he's talking about. I uttered up things I understood not. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. In other words, a lot of this I knew was practical stuff, but now I really, having gone through all of this, I've seen now, God, you... Um, interacting in my life personally and walking me through this. It's kind of like as we grow up in church, we hear all of these things, but then you start to step out by faith and start to practice these things, and now you begin to see God work in your life and work in your life and work in your life. Then he says, Wherefore I abhor myself and, I re and repent in dust and ashes, now, prior to all this, no one would have thought Job needed to go to the altar and repent. He was just a great man of God. But Job realizes, ever more so, how much of a sinner he is and how much of a fallen world we live in and how great God is. He's just, he's just been taken to another level of his faith. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourself a burnt offering. My servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that you have not spoken to me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. And so in verse 9, it says, Eliathes, and then Bildad, and then um, uh, and Zophar, they, they did according, good for them. They did what the Lord had asked them to do. They got it right. And um, the Lord, verse 10, turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. So, by the way, I didn't even think of this till right now. So, God used Job's experience to get his three friends right with him. Don't miss that part as well. And when he prayed for his friends, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Wouldn't it have been an easy thing to pray for his friends? 
But it says when he prayed for them. So he prayed for them and nothing in his life had changed. Still has the boils. Still has no family. They're gone. His belongings are gone. But nonetheless, he prayed. He didn't know what the result of that would be. Verse 11, then came there unto him all his brethren, his sisters, and all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house, and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. All of these people who had rejected him, they all kind of had a turn of a heart here. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. And then it says how many sheep, camels, and she asses and all of that. And he had more son, he had seven sons and three daughters. He, and, and it tells us the name of them. And in all the land, verse 15, were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and daughters, his, gener- his grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great, and he died. Being, full of, being old and full of days. He had 140 more years to go after all of this. And so whatever you're dealing with or have dealt with, um, there's a reality. This happens in life. How are you reacting? The reward is we're God's people. You have a life to live. Let God use that life for his honor and glory. And just, you can't sometimes... Sometimes you can't remove sometimes all of the pain, but you can determine what it produces in you. And Ephesians 4 on your handout, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ's sake, he hath forgiven you. Let's pray. Father, bless the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.